There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Ben Sorensen is a quirky, eccentric, bearded, media personality, voiceover guy, writer, music lover, presenter of stuff, and unable to leap tall buildings. Ben is also available as a keynote speaker and consultant in the areas of autism, Asperger's, conscious kindness, comedy, advertising, social media, and marketing. I love every opportunity I get to catch up with Ben because it's always filled with laughter, kindness, and intelligence that allows true neurodiversity to shine. Welcome, Ben, to The Ethical Evolution. Well, as he clears his throat, ready for the uh, proper evolution, an ethical evolution is the best sort, hence being here. Mm. It's a joy, always a joy to chat to you. Yes, and, um, you know, you and I have been on podcasts uh, previously together before, but not this one. Um, and for people who haven't heard of you, Lord knows where they've been, but can you tell us who you are and what you do? Hiding under a bloody rock. <laughs> uh no. Uh, look, so I am a uh, autistic guy uh, that works in, you know, the um, I want to loosely call it the art space because I do. Uh, I've got comedy, voiceover, host a lot of shows. Um, so there's that side of my world, and the other side is uh, actually using my brain in a different way, mm. which is uh, looking at. Um, problems and solving them with my unique neurology. And most of the time that happens in uh, media events uh, and also marketing and strategy. Yeah. And, you know, you and I have um, previously spoken about um, autism spectrum disorder. I don't like to call it a disorder because I think uh, people who have autism are some of the smartest, most unique geniuses on the planet. Um so, yeah, tell us a little bit about how it impacts your life and how you've had to sort of hack your brain um, to overcome things. I find disorder a really interesting thing because my brain just sort of goes, is it disorder when you, when you go to a restaurant and you order something and then something else turns up at the, at the table? They'll, they'll, yeah, no, I didn't order the fries. Did you order the fries? I didn't <laughs> order the fries. Is that a disorder? Um, I think autism is a really different thing. So, um, and I think when I go and do a lot of the keynote, keynotes that I do about autism, um, I give hints and tips on how uh, companies can engage and make life a bit easier for uh, neurodivergent people or neurodiverse people. 
Uh, and it actually works out to be, spoiler alert, better for everyone, mm. not just for them. So um, when, as far as autism goes, I find that, uh, and my answer changes based on my learnings and where I'm at, um, part of it is, is, or most of it rather, is managing energy. So uh, there's, a, there's a thing out there that I actually really like. It's called spoon theory. Mm-hmm. And it says at the beginning of the day you've got X number of spoons and that's all your energy. And, you know, uh, for most people, by the time they walk out the door, they've still got a similar amount of spoons to what they started with. But for autistic people it might be, okay, well, geez, I've only got eight spoons today and I had a shower, so that's one spoon. And, you know, I you know, uh, did all my housework, that's another two spoons. So now I'm walking out with way less spoons than what I started with. So we have this saying where you go, no, nah, I'm out of spoons, I'm just going to have a nap now. Mm. So it's en- energy management and making sure that you've got enough energy to get through the day. There was a um, piece of research that um, I, for the life of me I can't find now, but I'm very sure that I read, saying that autistic people use two to three times more energy in a day mm. than non-autistic people simply because of the process, the additional processing that needs to consciously be done compared to uh, a neurologically typical person who does a lot of that intuitively. So autism has, I know I'm talking about energy a lot, managing energy, mm. that's on the back end for me, but the front end for um, everyone else is uh, social issues mm. um, and the understanding of social cues and social norms and things like that. All of that is processed manually for uh, a lot of autistic people and it's a spectrum so everyone's different so I'm just talking about you know my experience and and you know a lot of commonalities between our experiences but they say when you've met one autistic person you've met one autistic person yeah absolutely now I I reckon I know people who could potentially be diagnosed as having autism but yeah they don't recognize it yeah, I know a lot of people um, with a similar condition mm. um, and that's uh, being arseholes. <laughs> you were going to say that. <laughs> so everyone around them knows that they are, but they no idea. Uh, <laughs> but look, um, when, when a, a couple of people talk to me and go, oh, should I get diagnosed? I don't know. I think I'm kind of maybe sort of – and. My, uh, the big question is why do you want to get diagnosed? Um, So there's, uh, I have a couple of friends that are definitely there but have no interest in getting diagnosed because they're, um, how they've structured their life and the the work that they do, there's no problem there. Mm. You know, they have a little core group of friends and they don't want any more. And everything's working. They have a couple of, you know, issues every now and then, but no more or less than anyone else. And so their version of autism they've got plus the life they've built, they're like, mm, I don't really need that. I'm happy with that. Then there's other people that go, actually, I need, um, this is really bugging me and I need an answer to this so that I can get closure or so that I can understand uh, better ways to build my life and use different supports, diagnosis, great idea. Mm. 
um, diagnosis to get on the NDIS, good luck to you. <laughs> uh, um, uh, and that's not good luck to you for, for the autism side. It's good luck to you for actually, you know, if the NDIS bestows upon you, you know, any assistance other than headaches. Um, so, you know, it, it depends what you want. So I got my diagnosis later in life only because uh, it didn't have a name when I was younger. I uh, grew up in a country town. Autism wasn't a thing. Uh, we were still going, oh, ADHD maybe? Not for me, but there was a few kids that had that and they went, oh, I don't know what to do with that. And autism was like, I don't know, if you... You know, if you're not visibly or physically disabled, then doesn't really exist. Mm. You know, we talk about um, people who get bullied in school and uh, autistic kids that get bullied in school. And if you talk to the bullies, they go, why don't you like autistic kids? And I go, oh, I, don't, I don't not like autistic kids. However, the um, exhibited symptoms of autism or being weird or different are the things that um, people normally get get bullied for. So um, the diagnosis stuff um, for me was all about uh, I'm travelling okay mm. at the moment, um, so I would rather get the, the diagnosis now rather than later if I need it because by the time I really need it to do something, uh, it's too taxing and too hard to get one because in order to get a diagnosis you need to go through all of the all of the paperwork and bits and pieces to do it which mm. basically means that uh you need someone who's or it's easier if there's someone who's not autistic to guide you through that because you know um you have to be what you're not to prove what you are mm. yeah and you know i mean when you found out did things make a lot more sense for you? Like did it enable you to, you know, sort of hack your way to, you know, just cope with certain things in life? I know previously we've spoken about, you know, social cues and, and recognition of emotion and, and things like that. Um, did it help you in that regard? Um, yeah, it did. Um, I, for me there was a sense of peace about it. Because you know how you go, oh, am I, aren't I? Mm. Okay, no, I am now. That's that's a thing. Um, and even though, look, even though I don't, you know, seek out autistic friendships or um, probably spend a lot of time with aut or other autistic people, it's nice to, in isolation, belong to a community, I guess. Mm. To go, okay, yeah, that makes sense for me and I can I can find uh, some comfort in that, uh, particularly when things are hard because I, I can go oh, really tired and I don't give myself as big a hard time mm. or going, I'm, today's a rest day, I'm just sleeping today or um, that's too much, I need to leave now. Uh, I go, well, it's not just because I can't tough it out, it's actually because my brain's wired differently. So, mm. you know, I just have to go with it because that's how it is, you know, whereas before I probably would have gone, like sensory overload's a really big thing. Yeah. So let's say I'm at a, at an, oh, uh, I had a, uh, when was it? Thursday night. Um, there was an event on, really amazing event, so good, 
so good. Um, got two hours into a four-hour event. I went, oh, it's a bit much. Bright flashing lights, loud mm. noise, lots of people, lots of white noise, lots of faces, lots of people that I, you know, it's, it's challenging to recognise all these people. Mm. Uh, and I was like, mm, okay, I think I've, I've done everything I can do here. I think it's time to disappear. Mm. Uh, whereas before I probably would have stuck it out. And but if you don't listen to those cues, what happens for you? Oh, the world ends. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, look, a, a, few th- a few things happen uh, and a few things can happen and that also depends. Uh, it's, it's delightfully inconsistent. Um, that depends on your pre-immediate pre-stre- pre stress energy levels, which is why that's so important to make sure that you're on top of that as a larger thing. Uh, and it's the same with kindness. You know, if you're uh, in order to be kind to other people more organically and easily, you need to have additional capacity to be kind in your world. So if you're running on empty, you have zero capacity to be kind to anyone else. And if you are, it is a massive deal. Mm. But if you engineer your life so you have a capacity to be kind, then it makes it a lot easier for you to be kind to everyone. So it's the same with energy. So if I manage my energy correctly, I might disassociate for a little bit or be able to put in a Herculean effort, finish a gig, and then I'll just go crash in the car. Mm. As in not in the car but <laughs> have, a, have a nap in the car yep. or um, need sensory downtime, mm. which is like um, noise-cancelling headphones, eye mask, you know, mm. and just sort of try and reset for a bit. Mm. Now, um, one thing you and I, uh, we've got quite a bit in common and, and you know, we both uh, have worked in radio when we do voiceover work and things like that. Um, and sound is really, really important to us. Um and you and I both create meditations. Um, but one thing that's really taken off uh, that I've seen on TikTok recently is this brown noise. Um, and, you know, it's just so important um, for neurodiversity and for um, our brain to have certain sounds. And the impact it can have on our life or just our well-being is incredible. So yeah. get, tell us um, your experience. So, look, it was... Uh, to 2007, I think my first meditation album was released, uh, called Forest of Light. Uh, and then I backed that up with an ambient meditation CD. I think it was about 12 or 18 months later called, uh, Sounds of the Forest. Um, and I think, um, the meditation CDs are really, really important. Now, I didn't know at the time when I first released my first two, uh, meditation albums and they were like they were cd discs old Mm. school yep (laughs) um and uh i didn't realize how important that is to help quiet a chattering mind Mm. so i i use some of the um binaural uh technology in um the forest of light album Mm -hmm. and it didn't Everyone else was going, oh, yeah, that, that binaural stuff really works really, really well. And for me, I was like, 
I can sit there and edit this for hours and it mm. doesn't, it's not a thing. Mm. Until I realised uh, more than a decade later that, oh, that's, that's, that's why it's a bit different for me. Yep. However, my latest endeavour was, uh, so I've got a track out. It's super short, one minute. And the idea is you put it on loop so that you can control the time you need to sleep, check out, focus, do whatever. And there is one sound, particularly for neurodivergent people, that works, and that is brown. Mm. And it's not called brown because the colour, but everyone associates it with the colour. It's actually Brownian noise. It's a frequency that was um, uh, researched by Dr. Brown. Um, and it's it's really, really lovely it just sort of masks i don't know if it masks or takes away or enables you to sort of just get that chatter gone Mm. because you can sleep you can sleep with it you can focus with it and it's the same sound it's really 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 great um so that's my latest endeavor and that's the i think that's um that's something i just i I tried for me out Mm. of desperation to sleep because um, a lot of neurodivergent brains don't produce enough melatonin to sleep properly, and sleep's always been a sleep and digestive issues are a big problem for um, the autistic community. So um, having this track, it's free. Um, you just go to Spotify and find it under my name, and hit play and repeat, mm. and listen to it as much as you want or as little as you want. Mm. and whenever you need it. So part of it was to make it accessible. And um, as much as artists hate Spotify because they pay terrible, terrible money Mm. to to artists, I think one of the other benefits is that um, it makes a lot of music really accessible. Mm. And I like the fact that um, my Neurodivergent Sleep Brown track is easily accessible uh, to everyone to listen to. Um, I did something a little bit different in that compared to some of the other um, round noise tracks. Mm. Um, I I did a, from listening to a lot of them, when we talk brown noise, we talk mono because it's just a, it's just a, a frequency essentially. So, um, and part of the, the joy of listening to some of those tracks and part of the the important part is having that stereo effect mm. so that um, you're more immersed in it to give it that sort of three-dimensional feel. Um, so there's a, um, there's a left-right fluctuation slightly so that it is mm. stereo uh, and then there's also a gentle pan left to right Mm. so that your brain doesn't switch off to it. So your brain continues to engage with the, oh, it's different now, oh, it's different now, oh, it's different now. But not enough that you would, it would annoy you. Um, there's also a little marker in, in the beginning, again, very, very subtle, so that you can gently, without needing to use your eyes or any other senses, keep track of where we're at mm. and what time. So that's all in built into the track. And if I didn't tell you, you probably wouldn't notice it. Um, but for the neurodivergent community, 
Yes, they will notice it. <laughs> yes, they will like it. Um, or maybe they'll hate it. That's also totally possible too. But um, oh, there's no downside to it. It's totally worth trying. It uh, works for me. Like I use, I listen to my own track uh, most nights to go to sleep, mm. uh, particularly when I'm in a hotel or, uh, you know, a place that I'm not used to sleeping. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I love it. Meditation is really important. And again, like um, uh, like kindness and all this other stuff, uh, I had a friend who had um, who had cancer, which was terrible. And she went. Everyone said to her, "Oh, you've got. Oh, you should meditate. Meditating is really good for it." And she's gone. I'm not learning a new skill now. <laughs> it's not like I can just click my fingers and meditate. It's a learnt skill. Mm. So. Uh, when we talk about stuff like meditation and relaxing and the albums, which are really, really great as tools to help us get into that mind space, it the more we do it, the better we get at it. And it's a preparation should anything go majorly wrong in the future. But it's also a wonderful gift for now mm. to quiet our mind from the busy world. And neurologically typical people have very similar uh, similar issues. Absolutely, yeah. It's just they tend to be a lot more heightened mm. and a, a little more extreme with the neurodivergent community in this aspect. Mm. So if it works for them, chances are it'll work for everyone else as well. So have a crack. Yeah, and I mean, if we're the master of our mind, um, we can help ourselves with anything. I was just talking to my neighbour the other night. She actually has a quite a serious heart problem um, and she can just go into AFib like that. And um, the, the other night she was yelling at another neighbour who was making a bit too much noise, went into AFib and I said, uh, you need to go take your med- 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 medication and meditation um, and, um, you know, calm that nervous system down because it was just firing everything off. So mm. if she didn't, she was going to end up in hospital and it, it helps every time. And there's so many conditions that we can help ourselves through by mastering our mind and our nervous system. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's um, obviously uh, still go see a doctor, mm. no, repl- no replacement for that. But no. I think that when, when, when we are able to reduce those stress levels and get back to a calmer state, I think that's better for just about everybody system that, that we, we've got. Mm. And it and it means that the results from, you know, everything else that you do will be better with less stress and less energy expended. And that's got to be a good thing if we're trying to heal or, you know, get back to a stage where we're, we're okay. Mm. You know, and um, the autistic community has uh, a whole lot of, uh, they're called self-soothing mm. techniques. Yeah. And um, they're used not only for... Uh, autism, uh, but, you know, uh, depression, trauma, whole heap of things. So when we start to feel, uh, and this, again, is a pre-planned thing Mm. because when you're in a crisis point, at a crisis point within your own head, um, you don't have time to work this out. Mm. You've got to know beforehand. So it's like a little fire escape plan or an action plan. Um, So you find, find things that break that pathway or that negative spiral in your head. So what's uh, so all we need to do is in, interrupt that neuropathway to make it not as strong. 
And over time, as we do that more and more, we start to rewire our own brain mm. in a crude sense. Um, so self-soothing things might be, I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to read a book, I'm going to have sex or I'm going to um, you know, get a massage or read a book, have a bath. I like incense or listen to a meditation CD, whatever your thing is. And it's okay to also have a range of things to try mm. because your brain's going to go, oh, hang on. Yep, it's just like sleep rituals, you know. Oh, yep, I know what's going on here. Now this is what I do when this happens. Mm. And you can consciously trick the brain into chilling out a bit uh, with things like that once you get into a bit of a groove. Yeah, I um, I've actually started a bit of a sleep ritual in the last week. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, I've got um, one of those Google Home Mini clocks by my bed, and it it does all my alarms, wakes me up, everything. Anyway, the other night, just just for a bit of a laugh, I I, I went, hey Google, good night, and uh, it went, oh, you found the night routine, and so what it did was it asked me what my alarm was for tomorrow. I told it, said it. And then it said, now I'm going to play you some nature sounds to help you go to sleep. And that's what it did. And at first I was... That's amazing. Yeah, at first I was a bit, "Mm, that's a little annoying (laughs) because it was like cicadas and crickets and all kinds of stuff in the forest. And after a while I sort of calmed down and I, before I knew it, I was asleep and I don't even remember the, the noise continuing, but I had the best sleep. And I did that two nights in a row, same outcome. Wow. Yeah. Uh, isn't it isn't it funny how you how we fight sleep? I thought it was just you know annoying five year old kids, but uh, apparently as I'm an old male, I'm still an annoying five year old kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, it, you know, I and I do this every night, you know, and that's that's part of part of my neurology. Unfortunately, is the um, PDA. I don't call it that anymore, but it's um, uh, pathological demand avoidance. And you go, yep, sleep time, want to sleep, and your brain's going, <laughs> yeah, nah, or nah, I've got to got to have a shower, mm, nah. It's like that um, uh, that um, meme that's going around. It's the um, uh, ADHD challenge. Uh, you have one hour to get out of bed. <laughs> 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 you know, so uh, it's it's you know I, I get that, but. And that's where those rituals come in handy. And it's also good to have, even if it's AI support, mm. it's, um, it's still nice to have that, um, that assistance externally. Um, as we all know, motivation starts once you do, which is annoying because I want it to start before. <laughs> it's now, funny you can't put that cart before the horse. <laughs> no, no, because it's not a cart then, it's a wheelbarrow. That's right. <laughs> and horses can't do wheelbarrows. No, I'd love to see that one. I know. How cool <laughs> would that be? Uh, the only horse I could see doing a wheelbarrow would be Bojack, but then I, <laughs> I probably don't want to be anywhere near a wheelbarrow that Bojack's pushing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would not end well. No. Uh, no. 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 Now, mate, you get around the country as well and you, you're at things like Supernova and all these superhero things, you're, you know, hosting beer events, beer well. festivals, comedy things. Like, you're all around the joint. What's happening for you at the moment? <clears throat> um, 
Well, the uh, I've got Supernova, uh, Supernova in Brisbane coming up in November. Mm-hmm. It's still a little way away, but um, you know it's important to let everyone know that that's happening in November so that they can build their cosplays now. <laughs> um, I'm doing uh, quite a lot in the craft beer world, mm. so I uh, just finished hosting uh, Blobfish, uh, which is a uh, sour. Uh, funk and wild beer uh, festival. Wow! So yeah, that was actually, that was actually really really great. Um, they had a whole heap of uh, twenty one brewers. They had forty five different beers for you to try. Mm. All in that um, you know sour wild and funk mm. category. Just amazing. The depth of flavour. I mean, um, are we downing massive pints of these? No. Mm. But are we enjoying the the skill and the complexity of flavour? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so host, hosting that, they do them in, in sessions over a, a, a day or two within the craft world, mm. uh, craft beer world. And, uh, yeah, Blobfish, absolutely amazing. And then... Uh, not next, uh, not this weekend. Next weekend, uh, it's the eighteenth. I want to say eighteenth or nineteenth or nineteenth or twentieth. Um, over to Perth for Froth Town. Uh, now, Froth Town is uh, or has uh, Australia's largest collection of brewers in one beer hall. So there's seven over seventy five brewers uh, in their beer hall. Uh, and outside of that, there's also um, there's a karaoke stage, there's a wrestling stage. <laughs> um, they've got uh, what is it? Hot dog, uh, hot dog cake, and hot wow. wing eating competitions. Even a wet t-shirt competition <laughs> for dad bods. Look out! Look so, yeah, out! Um, there's rides <laughs> and a heap of other stuff. So they they get they 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 get a Big, big amount of people that turn up there in Perth uh, to check that out. I think it's 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 been going for quite a few years now, and um, I'm super excited to be doing that. Um, other than that, plenty of voiceovers, um, working on uh, quite a few corporate things. Uh, got some uh, trivia nights happening during the week because they're fun, mm. and yeah, heaps <clears throat> heaps of stuff, and you know. Earning those frequent fly points. <laughs> I love your trivia too that you do on Insta, by the way. Um, always try to oh, tune thanks. in for that. <clears throat> I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit inconsistent with that. So when my world's pretty busy, uh, I'll go, oh, it's Tuesday. Like most days I get up and I go, I don't even know what day it is. I mm. just, you know, the calendar says yes, 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 yes. And I know I've said calendar, which means I should know what day it is. But uh, no, I, for some reason, it just doesn't register in my head. And I just go, oh, you know. Um, but uh, a couple of exciting things on the trivia front coming uh, coming out. I've uh, got a few new venues uh, that we're starting at, so I'm trying to spread the love around a bit more. Oh, nice. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there should be some uh, some more Instagram trivia questions too, which is always, always fun, and I'll try and do them more consistently as well. Nice. Now, Ben, if people want to find out more about you and get in touch, where can they go? Uh, it is Ben Sorensen 1 on everything. Uh, number one, because I'm lazy, and number two, because some other bastard took Ben Sorensen. <laughs> so Ben Sorensen one on all the socials. 
And uh, if you want to check out uh, some of the gigs that I'm at and what I'm doing uh, and, you know, all the other fun Ben things, bensorensen1.com. See what I did there? <laughs> mm-hmm. So clever. So, yeah, check it out. Now, I've got the last big question for you, Ben, and um, no. I'm keen to hear your answer on this one. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Oh, wow. Um, do you know what? I think uh, – okay, a couple of, couple of hypothetical answers for this. Uh, I think that uh, unchecked capitalism is one of the major problems in our world. Uh, because it destroys communities and takes us away from uh, the highest and best life that we can lead, not only for ourselves but for each other. Mm. What what are we going to replace it with? I don't know. <laughs> but I know that, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, a decreased capacity for kindness and a decreased capacity for community um, which I think erodes over time who we are, our values. It, it erodes our knowledge bank. It erodes so much more. Uh, and I think we're seeing that because we have corporate profits that are so huge that it affects uh, – it is the sole reason for our high inflation. And I go, that's, that's a problem, mm. you know. And I think uh, one of the – uh, I think uh, more immediately one of the big changes that we could make is making sure that politicians aren't bought. Mm. Uh, and I think we're at a point where um, we don't have any statesmen or statespeople in politics anymore um, like we used to. Uh, we just have pawns that are purchased or preparing for their next gig. Mm. So... Uh, I think transparency in uh, – immediate transparency in political donations is a big thing uh, and uh, also publicly available uh, calendars so that we can see who our politicians are meeting with mm. uh, and also ICAC that's got whole heap of teeth would be, uh, would be a wonderful start. But I think part of – what we need to do as a community is focus on creating positive cultures. Mm. You look at a workplace and you go, oh, this is lovely, okay, um, or this is a toxic culture. And we find people are really great at putting in rules, but overall um, you don't need those rules if you have a well-managed, consciously created positive culture. And getting back to the unchecked capitalism and the politicians and all of that uh, and the erosion of our community, that's because we haven't consciously gone, what are our values in this culture? What do we like? How can we not just settle for this is our culture, but how can we keep making it better? You know, as the seventh largest economy in the world, it makes me sad that we have um, people that don't have access to healthcare. We have mm. people that don't have access to affordable housing. Mm. We have, um, you know, disabled people that uh, that are being severely disadvantaged uh, economically and 
um, you know, you know, physically as well. We just, we have so many of these problems. Whereas the seventh largest economy in the world in Australia, yeah, we can, we can afford that. You know, also our commitment to climate change is is terrible. Again, that's another erosion mm. of of social values. Mm. Why would you? not want to leave a better world for your kids. Oh, that's right, because I'm getting paid too much now. Mm. And then what is too much? You know, we talk about minimum wage. We don't talk about maximum wage, you know, and they go, and like they, uh, McDonald's in the States is a wonderful example going, oh, you know, uh, we can't afford to pay a livable wage to any of our staff because, you know, that would, that would break the bank. However, the CEO's on, you know, 90 million bucks a year. It's just maybe insane. You, maybe <laughs> you could survive on 30 million bucks a year. Wow. You know? So, you know, there's all of these little things. And, you know, I'm a big fan of understanding and knowing that there is corporate greed and more, more, more is what everybody wants. So I would love to see in that situation and in all situations a, a enforced ratio. Mm. So... Um, the uh, highest paid person in your organisation must be no more than, uh, you know, 30 times the lowest paid. Mm. So, therefore, if you're greedy at the top and you want more money, you have to pay your lowest paid worker more. I love that idea. So, yeah. So, everyone talks about minimum wage. <clears throat> now, I think maximum wage is what we need to be looking at for a certain percentage of society because there is a, a disconnect there. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it is, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't think socialism is done properly either uh, in some of the examples, but I think a hybrid mix because I like the concept that nobody should be poor, but anyone can be, anyone has a shot at being rich. Mm. So I think we need to be kind and look after uh, everybody, and that's that's part of that culture management thing. That's a very long answer to that <laughs> question. No, but you're so bang on as well. Like I've noticed, it's, I'm going to put it in my manifesto. FBI, <laughs> I love reading it. I um I've noticed that there's been a, a real decline in community and um our culture, particularly since COVID. Like um, everybody's just looking out for themselves and not everybody else. You know, like one of the things that I talk about a lot on this show is, you know, what I do today impacts your tomorrow. So, you know, we're all on the same planet. We're all in the same home. Like mm. how about we look out for each other and and it will be paid back to us, you know. It's like we've just become so self-centred, you know, because of a virus that now we've forgotten how we should behave. <laughs> So here's, here's another thing. We were self-centred long before the virus. True that. We just had a very thin veil in front of it. <clears throat> so, and, and that's, that's the, other, the other thing. You know, we talk about um, people who come into a lot of money and then they become horrible and everyone mm. goes, oh, money causes you to be horrible. No, it doesn't. It just means that uh, the kindness you had before wasn't really kindness. It was a survival mechanism. Mm. You know, and that's okay too. Everything's okay. Just call it for what it is, mm. you know. And sometimes we are kind as a survival tool or as a manipulative tool. And then sometimes we are just genuinely kind. And sometimes it's a mix of the, all of those. But engineering systems, having that space and enabling us to be kind uh, is is a good thing. And when we look at, living on the same planet, 
so that, you know, with that whole um, what I do today impacts you tomorrow, um, whether it positively or negatively impacts you tomorrow, I want to do it today because it makes me feel good mm. now mm. to be a better human, you know. And a better human isn't earning more money. A better human isn't uh, giving all my money away. A better human isn't all of these. It's a complex thing. And that mm. self that self-assessment and that self-reflection is something that I find a lot of people don't do. And it's just like uh, you – well, you know, Bindi, you do a whole heap of consulting. Mm. Um, sometimes the people that need your consulting most are the people who will never buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, what do we do? And we see that with disinformation that's been um, cruising around with COVID and people like that uh, and some of the issues that people have had with things like that. And you go, well, I'll just provide them with facts and data and then they switch off. Mm. You know, so how do we do that? And then what we're seeing is the end stage of something that positive culture management could have fixed early on. Mm. And if we didn't have unchecked capitalism, particularly in media, we'd actually have real journalists that had uh, journalistic ethics and values. I mean, the um, MEAA have been uh, talking about the the ethics in journalism for quite a long time after they've been seeing such a decline. And part of that is um, if I've got one journalist on, (coughs) pardon me, um, I'm going to get the most out of them. So file more stories, which means you get less attention per story. Investigative journalists have disappeared. So, you know, we're seeing all these big gaps. And also podcasting. Mm. You know, I can say anything here. You can say anything here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm pleased that we don't, but um, anyone can just get a mic and say something. So um, listen, the listening audience doesn't have the uh, necessary – or all of the listening audience doesn't have the skills that they uh, probably should have to manage the raft of information. Previously, there were the journalistic um, ethics and the process by which you could get your message mass-produced uh, was uh, had a few more gatekeepers, so it had to be accurate or it had to be backed up with something plausible. Mm. Whereas now, as we see with our friend from, uh, our, not our, totally not our friend from Infowars, <laughs> uh, with uh, his Sandy Hook comments, mm. you can't just make stuff up. Nope. You know? So I hope that's a, a, a positive pres- uh, precedent over there mm. to encourage people to go, if I'm going to make something up, I'm going to you know, back it up with something. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anywho. That's that's a whole other podcast, Ben. And Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> you and I could talk about it all day. But seriously, um, it is always a joy to catch up with you. Thank you so much for being a part of the Ethical Evolution. Oh, thanks for having such a wonderful podcast where people can sort of check in and learn uh, about so many different things to make their world a better place. Nice work. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com.
Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Electric acid.